Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audioboob, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere else you can find podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a five-star review, tell your friends to subscribe, and check out the other podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network as well. You can find us on Twitter at Locked On Bulls, like us on Facebook at Locked On Bulls. And if you want to advertise with us or have questions you want us to answer on the show, make sure you email us at LockedOnBulls at gmail.com. I'm Sean Hyken of The Athletic. With me, as always, Cody Westerland of 670 to score. Uh, Cody, today was not a great day for the Bulls playoff chances that you're standing watching. Knicks 100, Bulls 91 at Madison Square Garden on a Tuesday night, in which Chicago laid a dud. Dud. Yeah, there was no other bad. way uh, to put it in this one. The loss drops the Bulls. 38-40, and 40, a tie for 7th place in the East with the Pacers, who handled the Raptors at home with a little uh, comeback after struggling in the first half. Well, the Heat were idle, so they're a half game back of the Bulls and Pacers. But, Sean, not really any margin for error now for the Bulls because they're tied in that loss column currently with those teams, and they do hold the tiebreaker. Uh, but no margin of error because they were just the Bulls were just bad in this game, basically from the tip. Yeah, they were brutal. It was it was it was just just from just from the beginning, and it really started to get out of hand. They they trailed by five at the end of the first quarter, which mm-hmm. okay, you know that that's fine. But then uh, they shot five for twenty in the second quarter from the field as a team. Six turnovers too. Six turnovers. They didn't score a single point. They they left uh, twenty that twenty nine to twenty four was the score at the end of the first quarter. The Bulls had twenty four points. Until I think it was like six forty two mark of the, of the second quarter. Almost six minute scoring. They yeah. they put out, they 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 ran out that same goofy lineup that Hoiberg has put out for the last couple of uh, games in the second quarter, where it was Michael Carter Williams, uh, Valentine Zipser, uh, Portis, and Laverne, which did not acquit itself well. You looked up the uh, the mathematics behind this NBA.com stats because if nothing else, that's that's what we are. You know we're. Uh, we're all encompassing research stat heads too sometimes, and that had actually produced a positive net rating in a very limited twenty nine or thirty minutes or so entering the game. I think twenty nine minutes. Let me refresh. It was like plus five point six points per one hundred possessions. Let me refresh and see what it is after tonight. See if yeah, it's but nonetheless, whether that was good. I mean, that, that, like twenty nine <laughs> minutes per game. Okay, so in three minutes. That lineup played three minutes tonight. Uh, their net rating went from plus 5.6 to plus 0.4. Well, that's tonight. what small sample, small sample size is Basically, it was reflective of one great game uh, for those guys recently as a bench unit and one terrible one now. But I think I'm going to hedge toward the terrible side for that unit playing together when you look toward the future. Because once again, like we talked about this a lot early in the year where, I don't remember the exact unit, but it was the second unit, and remember they were just getting blitzed all the time, 
the Bulls' second unit. Do you remember yeah. who were, who was on those? Units it was well, it was be, it was well, it wasn't like a whole, a full unit, but it was when he would play Bobby and Nico together. That they would just get torched defensively, and this is when but this was when when Chris Felicio was like not in the rotation at all. Yeah, so we've criticized that second unit plenty of times this year, Sean, and I think. 78 games in the season this is reflective of the Bulls not having a lot of depth and you feel a little sympathetic for Hoiberg because like what's he do right now on the second unit like what's he do if he has these like Dwayne Wade's hurt he can't play Jimmy Butler 48 minutes a game like Jimmy's already playing 41 in two minutes a game not on this night but a lot of nights when the Bulls recently have been winning in this four game winning streak like he takes either no break in the second half or like a minute so it's like those five minutes in the second quarter are when Jimmy is out. But what can he do? Because there's no Dwayne Wade. He wants Rondo with Nico on that first unit playing together. And then Jimmy is out there and like that's Jimmy's rest time. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know. And they really just haven't been able to find any kind of unit that works without Jimmy. And I'm looking up the updated on-off stuff because this is something I've been tracking over the course of the season. So after tonight... Uh, the Bulls, when Jimmy Butler is on the floor, their net rating is plus one point nine points per one hundred possessions, which is you know that's that it's it's in the positives. It's they're competitive, better than five hundred. Yes, they're 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 competitive. When he's on the bench, they're minus they they are outscored by eight point eight points per one hundred possessions. Yeah, I mean he's one of the most valuable players in the NBA, and I think this has been a talking point recently too, which maybe we should get to later in this podcast, like. Where does Jimmy, obviously he's not in the top tier of the MVP race or anything, but where has he been for most valuable players in the NBA? But you can just see that again in this game. But I mean, I would say, I mean, Jimmy scored 26 points in this game, but they felt largely empty because the Bulls were playing from behind and he wasn't like tilting the defense or anything like that. He had four assists in this game because like the Knicks didn't really need to respect the Bulls offense all that much when they were up 20, you know what I mean? Like... It's just not as pressing of an issue. And the Bulls only had Nico, Jimmy, and Robin Lopez scoring more than two points in the first half. I think the bench had four points in the first half and started like 0 of 4 with four turnovers in that second quarter. Like, this is this is a little concerning. And this is a common theme, too. Like, look, hey, the Knicks played hard, and the Bulls struggle with teams that play hard. I know a lot of times... We say the Bulls struggle with teams that are sub-500 and get up for big games against teams that are above 500, and that's correct. But I think you do need to credit a lot of these sub-500 teams who just play like balls to the wall against the Bulls for long stretches. And when you're the Bulls, when you're the better team, whether it's the Bulls or someone else, and you're not totally engaged, that's when you can lose a game like that. Right, and you know, but this Knicks team, we, should, we need to point out, they didn't have Porzingis tonight. They, obviously, Derek Rose and Joakim Noah are out for the year. They Carmelo played. But basically, the, the, their, their Knicks rotation time is basically Carmelo and then a bunch of just other dudes who were like not even their main guys. They had two undrafted guys in the starting lineup, Ron Baker and Maurice Endor, which, you know, when you have guys that are undrafted like that or guys who are unproven, they're going to play extra hard because they have yeah. to fight for their minutes and they have to fight for their place in the league. So the Knicks' young guys care more about their money and fighting for their next contract than the Bulls do a playoff berth. Is that what we get a takeaway from this game? That's what the case was tonight, and Jimmy even said that uh, tonight in his postgame quotes. This is from our buddy Nick Ferdell from ESPN Chicago. Jimmy said that the Knicks played like they had something to play for and the Bulls didn't. That's, I mean, that's embarrassing. It's not a good it's look for short game. What, is that? what was that, game 78 of the season? I think so. Not yeah, a great 38 look. and 40 now. So the Knicks came in as the 26th rated defense in the NBA. The Bulls had 
made at least 10 three-pointers in seven consecutive games, I believe. Which was a franchise record. Franchise record. Like, their offense was 117 points against the Pelicans, 106 against the Hawks, but it was pretty good offense for, for a lot of stretches in that game. And then they just didn't have any of it. And it's weird, because Rondo had eight assists in the first quarter. Yeah. So, like, the ball was moving, and they were getting stuff going, but that bench unit came in, stagnant offense, and then they just, like, never recovered from that. And Hoiberg always talks about the offense affecting the defense, and vice versa sometimes as well. Like, obviously the point is it's hard to run in transition if you don't get defensive rebounds and get out and run when you have to find the ball of the hoop and they can set up. But also, you know, vice versa, like when your defense is lagging or your offense is lagging there, the Bulls don't seem to be putting in the needed effort on defense either in this game. Knicks out rebound on 53 to 36. Like, how many times did we see, like, two Bulls by the ball and the Knicks guy come up with it? That happened quite a lot. I mean, it, 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 it was like it was even like late in the game when they cut it to single digits. There was a rebound. I remember like Joffrey Laverne was standing out by the perimeter. A rebound gets to him. He basically would have had to walk, take one step, and he would have been able to reach out and get it. And then someone on the Knicks ended up getting it. Nothing was more uh, hilarious than some cutaway in the third quarter, in which Nico Miritich like rolled the ball into Rajon Rondo out of a dead ball timeout of some yeah. sort, and. The Knicks came up and stole it because Rondo was tying his shoe. Literally tying his shoe, and the Knicks stole the ball and got two free throws. And it was especially indefensible because it was out of a timeout, so Rondo had two minutes to tie his shoe when it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't during game action. I think that probably that that uh, snapshot or video summarizes much of the Bulls season. But hey, if you want to see high comedy like that, there's a couple chances left to see it at the United Center. Or maybe you'll see the Bulls clinch their playoff berth next week when they got a couple home games, I think Monday and Wednesday. Yeah. Their final two games this season at the United Center. And you can get tickets through SeatGeek, which is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for basketball, baseball games that you want to see up close and in person this season. Great tickets for concerts, too. There's nothing like being in the stadium or the arena and seeing the biggest plays of the year. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get guaranteed seats that you want for a great value. I have SeatGeek app on my phone. And it's the easiest way i found to shop for tickets. You can be anywhere, anytime. Just a few clicks. Instantly find seats for this weekend or any games later in the season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek always finds the lowest available price for you. SeatGeek wants you to get the most bang for your buck, so every single ticket's given a great score based on value. You can see where the value is, where the underpriced seats are, that fit your budget and shop with confidence because SeatGeek is 100% guaranteed. What we need the Locked On Bulls listeners to do is download the SeatGeek app, click add a promo code, use promo code LOBULLS, just how it sounds, LOBULLS. SeatGeek will send you $20 back after you've made your first ticket purchase with promo code LOBULLS. Sean, we need to assess the Bulls' playoff standing, their chances, Momentum. I'm not a momentum guy, so um, not going to say they're, they're going to lose their next game because they lost this one. Not going to say the Pacers are going to win their next one because they played one good one well. But these are season-long persistent problems for the Bulls, and we expect the 76ers and the Nets twice to play hard, at least against the Bulls down the stretch. How are you assessing them right now? Reminder, tied for seventh in the East at the end of Tuesday night. Heat a half game back in ninth. That's right. They, I mean, they do still control their own destiny, but they have yes. to win out, which 
on paper, you know, they play Philly, they play Brooklyn twice, and they play Orlando. But except for Brooklyn, they lost to Philly this season. They lost to Orlando. And Brooklyn is a team that, I mean, this is an important thing to keep in mind with Brooklyn. They don't have their own lottery pick. So they have no incentive to tank or lose games. They're just going to go out there and play hard. They've got Jeremy Lin back. They've been going out there. They've been kind of pesky out there. So, I mean, this is this is the kind of schedule. Like, if this was a normal team, you could look at this and say, oh, these guys just have this cakewalk of a schedule. They'll be able to win out, no problem. If it was a team that you, you know, think is going to make the playoffs. But these are the kinds of teams the Bulls have struggled with all season. So they're gonna, you know, they're gonna need. I still think they can make the playoffs. They're gonna need some help from their uh, competition. They're gonna need the Pacers to lose a couple. They're gonna. Because you think you don't think the Bulls are gonna win out? You're saying no. Is there any reason to believe that, that the Bulls are gonna win four games in a row against bad teams? They won mm-hmm. four games in a row again it, it, going into this game, but three of those were against playoff teams: the Hawks, Cavs, and Bucks. And as we've well established, the Bulls play well against good teams, but not against bad teams. So no, I don't think they're going to win four games in a row against lottery teams. I mean, the Bulls are bad on the road too this year, fifteen and twenty-four. That's nine games under, and that's where the next couple games are at mm-hmm. Philly on Thursday, right, and then at Brooklyn yeah. on Saturday. The Nets hung one hundred and forty-one points on those seventy-sixers uh, on this Tuesday night. So like, we know they can score. The Nets said they're not shutting down anyone. Um, for the rest of the season, because obviously, like you pointed out, there's like not a lot to play for, but they, don't they have also a don't pick. need to purposely lose. They don't need to tank. Um, what's the last one? Oh, and isn't Brooke Lopez like chasing a scoring record of some sort for him? Or there, there was there were some tweets about him having a chance to set a few records. So like, I expect he's going to be gunning threes. I'm pretty sure that was the that was the game Jimmy hit the uh, jumper at the buzzer yeah. to beat the Nets at the United Center after Lopez. The Brooke Lopez of the Nets scorched the Bulls for a bunch of three pointers, I believe, over his brother, right? You that, remember that game? Yeah, and it's, it's funny because that's just a thing that Brooke has like, added to his game basically this year. Uh, and Not on the scouting report, that's how you get him. Not on the scouting report, exactly. That's. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the Bulls, the, the Bulls kind of get killed this year by guys who don't normally hit threes and have it on the scouting report. Brooke Lopez has been hitting them all year, but, you know, Amir Johnson hit him, hit a bunch against them. Uh, Jason Smith hit some threes against them. Like, th- that's just kind of a thing that happens. That, that's actually kind of an underrated thing. Brooke and Robin have two games against each other the rest of the year that might decide whether one of them goes to the playoffs. When you see the Bulls play like this, I mean, does it make you question, like, do they really want to go to the playoffs? I think Jimmy wants to go to the playoffs. I don't know. Rondo, I think, wants to go Rondo to the Rondo wants to go to the playoffs. I'm sure... I Rob- don't know. I just don't know how you get beat to that many loose balls. And come out that awful and flat and then really be like, we want to go to the playoffs. Like, that means everything to us. This is the conversation that we've had a lot of different times over the course of the but season. After the, so after the real six, now, though. After right the, there. After the Sixers game, it was, okay, these guys have quit. And then they come out and win four in a row. And they beat the Cavs and they beat the Bucks, And it's like, okay, maybe they're actually still... But like, it's not a good sign that it's game 78 and we're still talking about this exact yeah, same stuff we've I talked mean, about all year. I know we're breaking down two... Like the the offense got stagnant that second unit was horrible. You got to stop and think, too. Wait, run it back. You're Michael Carter Williams, Paul Zipser, Denzel Valentine, Bobby Portis, and Joffrey Laverne is where the game went wrong in this one. That's that's five unproven basketball players who are also bad for long stretches of play. So. Maybe I shouldn't be questioning their want and just be questioning their talent. Right, and I mean, if you look at some I of don't these, know. if you look at some of these guys on the Knicks that are maybe unproven, but like 
Like, Ron Baker has been pretty solid this season. Endor, uh... Kuzminskis. Kuzminskis has, like, some skills. Kuzminskis is good. Hernan Gomez is good. Like they, Sasha Vujicic is a champion. <laughs> uh, I think we shouldn't be counting Sasha Vujicic as one of their good players. He's basically only still in the league because he knows the triangle and he was on all those Lakers teams. Phil Jackson coach, we should point out, though, that the He's supposedly... These, well, that. We should point out that the supposedly athletic, long defender, Michael Carter-Williams, who's in the rotation for that reason, got beat off the drill a while, like 38, I forget what he is, like 38-year-old Sasha Vujicic. <laughs> yeah, I get, that's the part, there, there's more evidence for do the Bulls really want this, and that's a negative on that when uh, Rondo and, Rondo let Ron Baker go around him a lot, too, in this game, you know what I mean? Like, you, you know, there's a lot of blame to go around. You know who I think wants to go to the playoffs and would play harder than some of these guys? Cristiano Felicio, who hasn't gotten in since he had the back injury against Toronto. He missed three games with the injury. He's been healthy since the Cavs game. He's been available to play. He just hasn't gotten Are in. Are there shenanigans here? Two. two. Two points. Shenanigans? Shenanigans. The Bulls, from all indications we get, want to sign Chris Felicio to, I don't not like necessarily a five-year deal or something, but they want to bring him back on a multi-year deal. That's the indication I've gotten, too. And he's a restricted free agent, correct? And maybe if they don't play him for three weeks down the stretch, people will forget about him and give him less money on the restricted offer sheet. Now, just because the Bulls operate like that doesn't mean other teams (laughs) operate like that, so I I think that would be kind of a risky strategy. That was point one. Point two was, do you think... uh, they really want, are they seriously wanting to get a look at Joffrey Laverne so they have more data to assess him when he is restricted? Well, I think that agency? part absolutely is true. One of the big talking points that Gar uh, and Pax uh, kept bringing up after they made the trade was that they control the process with Laverne. That's their phrase, control the process, because he's a restricted free agent, as if that's like the most innovative thing in the world. Yeah, I, I'm so confused. It's a process you want really no part of, so I don't know why you're praising and bragging about it. Like That doesn't make sense to me. Um, but yeah, like Joffrey Laverne, I'll give him this. Like, If he's in the pick and roll, he can at least get the ball and like be decisive and make a pass. He's flashed that in a way that Robin Lopez in a pick and roll, what he is is he just he pops, he shoots. You know what I mean? Every time. He's, he's not playmaking off the dribble, not swinging the ball to keep that pass going. Like, I mean, Draymond Green's the best in the NBA there is at that. But, like, bam, the ball swings, it moves, he attacks. Like, the Bulls don't have anyone like that. What they do have in Laverne is someone who has a shade of that ability compared to Lopez. You know what I mean? So maybe they just want to see how that works. And, like, I mean, he did have a good... Did he kill it? What was it? Sunday? He was really good against the Pelicans. I yeah. Mean, so it's not like he didn't earn these minutes against the Knicks, but like at the same time, when a team is just... What was Fred Hoiberg's words? They beat our ass on the boards, basically. They kicked our ass on the boards. Like, when that's what's happening, and your most energetic, athletic big man, guy capable of running around and creating havoc, and... A, I mean, Chris is a pretty good rebounder, I yeah. feel like, when he's in there. I'd have to look at advanced metrics a little more to see how he stacks up, but, like, I feel like that's what he brings to the team, and there was no sign of that on the floor, and he sat on the bench with no opportunity to bring that. It's a little weird. It's a little weird to me when Hoiberg takes timeouts when five men are doing really poorly and then says something to him and sends the same five men back out there, like, to go into battle, like, hey, guys, you're, you're about to get slaughtered, and then you send them out there, and, you know, they do. Like, I mean, that's what's happening for long stretches with the Bulls. So it's a little weird, like, 
Throw in, throw in Jaron Grant. He see got what, in. See what he does. He got in. Um, real bad night for those on the Jaron Grant bandwagon, including and, both of us. Yeah, like, Anthony Morrow got like, some run though. I feel like I've driven that Jaron Grant bandwagon quite a bit. Real bad night for me on that return. Zero points. What I would 0 of 1 from the field and got torched on defense. What I would say to that is that part of why he's been so inconsistent is because his minutes have once again been so inconsistent. When he was getting consistent minutes, yeah, he was playing better. He was. When he, he, he was playing really well next to Jimmy. And maybe... Maybe he does... Well, he, he obviously needs to show more. But maybe I was overinflating what he was doing. Some of us were overinflating what he was doing because he simply was just knocking down some really easy shots. But still, I like I like him as a basketball player. Like it, he's, I certainly right. like I think him. There's hope. There's hope. I like him more than Michael Carter Williams for sure. Yeah, I understand. I guess why Fred would go with Carter Williams for some longer stretches when they are playing Rondo 28, 32 minutes a game now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess Rondo's played 35, 36 in a few games probably here recently uh, when he's playing well. So, like, I, I get a little bit of that defensive reaction there to go with MCW because it's like we got our offensive point guard for 35 minutes and then we're going to throw Jaron Grant in with the second unit to take contested shots because Jimmy's not on the floor. I guess it makes sense. But let's be real, like... Jaron Grant has a lot more ball skills than than uh, Michael Carter Williams does. I mean, there were there were just a lot of cases of weird Bulls things in this game, like Denzel Valentine and Rajon Rondo, or was it Zipser and Rondo battling over a rebound that was the Bulls to take, and they hit it out of bounds off each other because yeah. like they couldn't communicate and they're both trying to grab it and stuff. And then there was the steal and Jimmy. Oh, Jaron Grant had a steal dish to Jimmy who missed a layup because he was like off balance, and then Nico, Nico and Jimmy were sitting right there. Either one of them could have grabbed the ball for the rebound put back, and they both volleyballed and hot potatoed off each other's hands to the next, basically. Like, just an all-around abysmal night for the Bulls, really. Not good. And not any any of the stuff that's out of the control wasn't good either with Indiana coming back from down 19 against the Raptors. So their magic number, by the way, to clinch is still at 5. Bulls is this? Yeah. That makes sense, I guess. It was um, five now. It was five before tonight. It was five again tonight. So the Pacers, let's look at this. They have home against the Bucks at Orlando, at Philadelphia, home against the Hawks. I think that's a fairly manageable, realistic, winnable schedule for the Pacers. I would say so. Two, ho- two home games also. against middling East playoff teams. And two road games against teams the Bulls play. Magic, obviously not on the road, but Magic and 76ers. So, um, Bulls schedule, a little easier. Pacers, though, uh, definitely winnable, manageable. The Heat schedule, we got to check this real quick, but theirs is tougher, if I recall. They have the Hornets on Wednesday night. If they win, there will be a three-way tie for 7th. In the East, pending, I think the Pacers don't play again until Thursday. Right. Uh, it could be a three-way tie for seventh. Keynote here. If there is a three-way tie between the Bulls, Pacers, and Heat, Bulls go to the front of that line, then the Heat, then the Pacers, by way of tiebreakers. four and three, three and three, and three and four records between all the teams. So mm-hmm. uh, Bulls in good shape on that front. Two, again, Tiebreaker, very fortunate, but if these other teams win, the Bulls just have zero margin for error the rest of the way. But uh, the Heat have Hornets, Raptors, Wizards, Cavs, Wizards. So very tough schedule 
down the stretch for the Heat. And most of those teams, I mean, the Cavs might be resting guys by that point, but the Hornets are still fighting to get to stay in the playoff picture. The Wizards, uh, Raptors, those teams are still fighting with each other for playoff seeds. Those teams are still going after it. I mean, you, you, you would think at some point, okay, they're getting these good teams. Some of those teams might be resting for the playoffs. That's not going to be the case with any of these teams the Heat are playing. 538 give the Bulls entering Tuesday some sort of 94% chance to make the playoffs before the Pacers won and Bulls lost, which obviously dropped that uh, percentage chance for the Bulls. We don't want to go too in-depth, though, with these mathematical models and algorithms and formulas, so we're just going to say, Sean. What's your percentage chance of the Bulls making the playoffs now? The hike and meter. Uh, the hike and meter, I think I'll say 70% chance. 70%. I'm going 61.2% chance. 61. You see, your, your meter, the Cody meter, is more precise. It has decimals. Yes, it does. 61.2. Whoa, whoa, there goes. 0.22% chance of the Bulls okay. making the playoffs. Uh, that meter obviously will change night to night as results come in from around the NBA. We'll keep you updated on Locked On Bulls. Uh, you can follow Locked On Bulls on Twitter and Facebook by its name. Real easy. Locked On Bulls. Uh, follow Sean at Hiken. Read his work at The Athletic. He and the rest of those guys doing excellent work there. You can read my work at 670score.com. Follow me on Twitter at Cody Westerl. And most of all, please subscribe to our podcast. That's right. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audioboom, TuneIn, Google Play, Podbean, whatever app you use or service you use to listen to podcasts you can find us on there make sure you do that subscribe to us on itunes make sure you go on there and leave us a five-star review tell your friends subscribe uh check out the other podcasts in the locked on podcast network as well uh we will be back with you guys on thursday after the bulls play the 76ers thanks for listening